You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com. Okay. Our next presenter on, on maintaining the momentum is Ed Angleton. Ed Angleton is vice chairman of the Marion County Party, and Ed ran in 2008 for House District 100, and Ed did a great job of maintaining the momentum of his race. He did everything a good candidate should do between announcing his race and then the final few weeks of the race, and he did a great job those last two weeks, too. I don't want to take anything away. Ed wore out a pair of shoes. He knocked on every door in his district. He wore out a knee. He almost wore out his marriage. He's one of those people that Mike talked about who we'd love to have Ed run again, but he said, uh, well, I'd have to find a new wife. So so he won't. So he is here to assist you in uh, maintaining your momentum and uh, acting as a good campaign manager for somebody. So if you all give a round of applause for Mr. Ed Angleton. Thank you, Chris. Today I'm going to speak to you about maintaining the momentum. The time that after you've got all the paperwork filed, you've made your initial press releases, up to the period of the last minute crunch heading into the election itself. So what does this, what does this entitle? Uh, one quick other thing too I want to mention before I get started. <clears throat> Sean Shepard mentioned in his, uh, or will mention in his um, topic that you know, being able to speak to the media is a major selling point, very, something you really need to do. And if you're uncomfortable speaking in public, find a chapter at Toastmasters, go there, and they will teach you how to speak in public. So, with no further ado, maintain your momentum. I've got six points I want to cover here. First is we're going to start with a plan. You need to know your district. Second point is that personal touch. Getting out and canvassing the neighborhoods, knocking on doors. Three, make every day a shearing festival. Anybody know reference to that one? From Ben-Hur. Um, it's a really obscure thing. But events, festivals, fairs, mail-ins, mails in, direct mailings, ET, phone home, phone calls, very important. And finally, we band of brothers dealing with volunteers. So, start with a plan. Baldrick, I've got a clever plan. Black Adder. Break your district down into manageable units. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Use the political subdivisions, counties, townships, boards, precincts. If you're running for, say, a state representative office. In Marion County, you're just dealing with a township, basically. If you're outside Marion County, in a more rural location, you're going to be dealing with counties as your major political subdivisions. You may have like three or four counties that are part of your, the district you're running in. 
And within each precinct, look for neighborhood organizations. These will be your homeowners associations, your watch committees, your block watches, whatever, crime watches. People that you can go and talk to. And finally, establish who is the contact person in each neighborhood. So, start with the plan. Know your district. Get a map of your district. You don't want to be over, you don't want to be spending all your time over here campaigning when your district's here. You know, it sounds like you know, common sense, but people forget that. Uh, I had at some of the uh, neighborhood association meetings I went to, in my district, there were people there representing candidates from other districts. I said, why are you here? Not that I mind you wasting your time, you know, especially considering who it was. But, um, so know your district. Get a map. They'll help you plan, too. And then, know the precincts within your district. This is 1502. It's a precinct here in Marion County. Uh, it encompasses um, the area from what's known as Fletcher Place down to into Fountain Square area. And then the Fletcher Place neighborhood is up in this area here. So know the districts. Know what you're, you're talking about. And for example, if you're here in Marion County, you go to, to uh, indy.gov and you can get a listing of all the neighborhood associations within your uh, area that, by township that you want to live for. So for Fletcher Place, it gives the boundaries, gives the contact person, and gives the time, the date that was last updated. So this is fairly recent, so it's probably good. Some of them haven't been updated for five years, so they're probably a little iffy as far as that contact person. But you can still try This is the person you need to talk to if you want to show up at their neighborhood association meeting. Get, he can get you on the agenda. So, to talk to neighborhood organizations, first of all, you need to find out what their meeting schedule is. If they've got a website, that makes it easy because you usually have it posted there, a schedule of their meetings. Use the neighborhood contact to schedule a short presentation. We have campaign materials with you to pass out at that presentation. You be gracious, you be thoughtful, and you listen to what the voters, the people there are telling you. You take notes to follow up questions that you don't have the answers for. You get back to them. And then plan to canvas that neighborhood within the next week or so, while, still, while your image is still fresh in their minds. They'll know it's you coming through. Cardinal rule number one. This hasn't been talked about yet, and I think it's very important. Never, under any circumstance, no matter how stupid that person may be, never argue with a voter. It doesn't do you any good. So, canvassing. This house is a rocking, don't bother knocking. Voterless. Where can you get voterless? From private sector programs like Aristotle, etc., or your uh, friendly local county clerk's office, which may or may not be so friendly, depending upon who you are and, and what their attitude is. What should you ask for when you go to the clerk's office specifically? What you want is what you want to do is get the registration records um, 
for the registered voters in a particular area, district. That's what I did. I went actually to the election board. Yeah, yes. You're exactly right, because I just talked to them a couple of days ago. Yeah. You want to ask them for a polling list. The polling list, and yes. Same with uh, the, the, the precinct maps, where would you get those? Precinct maps, um, you, the county clerk's office should have them. Uh, they may not give you very good ones. Here in Marion County, our friends of the Democratic Party have done a wonderful job of cataloging all these for us. So you can go to their website steal. So um, you don't have to worry about that. And as far as district maps, you can go to the state and get it. You can go to um, the county government in, in Indianapolis. It's india.gov has the, uh, the clerk's office. They have this beautiful psychedelic map of all the uh, districts within Marion County. But it takes forever to download. It's big. And you'll get something that once you distill um, it down, it's going to look something like this. So you've got names, addresses. You can um, sort it out by any number of criteria to make a list. Take that list, pair it up with your map for the precinct, and develop a walking plan. Some commercial programs like Aristotle will do this for you. So that's the nice thing about that. If you don't have the money for Aristotle, then this is your best alternative. So, like I said, use database tools to organize the list and use precinct maps to plan a walking route. At the door, if you want to look professional, wear something that says you are a candidate, whether it is a campaign button or a name badge, something to let people know who you are. And the other thing, too, is do not spend more than 30 seconds waiting for a response after knocking. You'll never get anywhere. Basically, my rule of thumb is I would hit the door, I would knock, I would count to 15, I would knock again, count to 15, if nobody shows up, I pull out something, stick it in the door, leave it, go on. You know, if you hear them coming to the door after you start to leave, then go back, definitely. But if it's, um, they don't answer within 30 seconds, probably, if you don't hear any response at all, they're probably nobody home. And you don't want to spend two minutes there knocking on a door when you could be using that two minutes at somebody else's house, actually talking to a voter. At three, if no answer, the campaign materials, don't put them in the mailbox. That can get you in big trouble. Um, have a supply of, sorry, I missed you, pre-signed materials. In my campaign, I had no Republican uh, opponent. I had a Democratic incumbent and myself. That was it. So I wanted to reach out to the Republican voters in my district. So I used the voter list, separated them out by party, got the Republicans <clears throat> based on the primary voting records, and sent this postcard to most to about all of the Republicans in the district. And it's very simple. It says, one, Republican voters. Now is the time to come to the aid of your state. And it goes on and says, you know, that they chose not to run a candidate that um, if you vote the straight ticket, you might as well be voting for the Democratic candidate because there's no Republican. So vote for me, and you're not voting for that Democrat if you don't like that Democrat. Ed, what was your timing on that? The timing on that was about a month before the uh, 
came out about a month before the election. You think anybody was awake and knew there was an election going on at that point? Uh, yeah, I think it, I'm, I would imagine this probably got me at least a thousand votes. As a matter of fact, even a couple of the uh, Republican precinct committeemen said they loved this thing. So I got kudos on from them. Last but not least, phone calls. Volunteers are a must for this. And phone calls are going to work best in the final stages of the campaign. Because you want to, this is the push to election time. <clears throat> you want to have a script for the callers to use. You don't want anybody freelancing out there. You want your message to go across, not some semblance of your message. And you're going to want volunteers. Volunteers are the most important part of your campaign. They can assist you with all of the little <coughs> details. Getting volunteers can be difficult, but they're most worth. They're very worth it. If they volunteer, it means they want to work. Use them, and always be looking to gain more. Source for volunteers: your part, your county party, state party. Chris gets people volunteer to him. He'll send the information along to you. Your key volunteers, though, are your campaign manager your treasurer, and a volunteer coordinator. You don't really have time to deal, if you get a lot of volunteers, you don't really have time to deal with, deal with it yourself. You're out there going door to door, you're knocking on doors, you're doing all, you're raising money, you're doing all the things that a candidate should be doing. You don't have time to coordinate the volunteer activities. So what you need is someone who volunteers to be a volunteer coordinator. That you can relate to that person, or your campaign manager can relate to that person, what needs to be done, they'll assign the people and get it done. So, that takes us to the end of this segment. Now is uh, ready for questions and answers. Ed, yes. How, how intimidating is it to, to uh, uh, go door, door to door, and uh, how do you get over that? Um, at first, it's a little intimidating. <clears throat> the <clears throat> easiest way to, to get over that is just to go out and do it. By the time you've knocked on four or five doors, you start to get in a groove, and you just keep going, you just keep moving. Does it help to have people with you? It does help to have people with you, because one of the things you're going to want to take with you when you go out is you want to take your campaign materials, you have yard signs, you want to take some of those, you want to have those available too, because if the person says, yeah, I like what you're saying, you know, and say, well, can I put a yard sign in your yard? Sure. You want to have the yard sign to put up in the yard then before they change their mind. So you don't want to have to come back and do it later. So having a volunteer that you know, has a couple of these things with them is very good, very good to have. The other thing too is, in volunteers and going door to door, is you can use them, <clears throat> you can hit a precinct in force on one day. That's something else good to do. Just You go out and you just go street by street, and everybody goes, you pair up, you know, hit what these, you know, hit the houses in row, you leapfrog over each other, you get down to the end of the street, there's the car, you know, the campaign wagon is there, you replenish your materials, get water, whatever you need, replenish yourself, and you keep moving. One of the things you need to do when you're on the stump, when you're out there canvassing, is make sure you have water available, uh, something like trail mix or something, because it's very important to keep, you know, hydrated and fed, keep your blood sugar up. The other thing I would recommend too, prior to starting any campaign like this, 
is if you're not comfortable walking for two hours, get comfortable walking for two hours. <laughs> Start doing it. Work your way up to it then. You, you literally, you lost a lot of weight on the campaign trail. I lost some weight in the campaign trail. I lost like the two pairs of shoes. I, my, my time that uh, election morning came, I could barely walk. I was, out, I was at the polls walking around like Frankenstein that morning because I couldn't bend my knees. Um, but I was out there. I took painkillers and, and gritted it through. How many doors did you think you knocked off? God, not enough. But uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't get, unfortunately, to everyone like you. To all of them, I would have liked to have gotten to more. But you know, working for a living and campaigning don't really go well together. And as the, and as the season got later, the hours after work, the daylight hours got shorter, and you don't go around at night. People are going to think that. Well, it's it's October 2009 as we're filming this, which means we have about a year until October 2010. Right. Between and Ryan Leakey's going to talk more about October, uh, because October is your most important month in any campaign. Mm -hmm. But what kind of timeline would you put to some of this stuff? Like how soon? I mean, it's October. We have a year until the next election. When would you start doing some of this fundraising, putting together some fundraising? Stuff? You can start if you know you're going to be a candidate. You filed your at least your exploratory com committee. Do it now. Start now. Start raising money now. The money you raise now will multiply and become more money later. Um, you can use that money also to help make more money. One of the things I did during my campaign was. I had a campaign event at one of the Indians games. I had it used it as a fundraiser. Um, we had a picnic, we did the picnic, we did the game, and I used some of the money I had to pay the deposits, and then they got the, the money from collected from uh, the sale of the uh, tickets and such to the fundraiser to you know pay that back in plus more. So uh, it worked out very nicely, plus I got my name on the scoreboard, so, you know, it's also was like some advertising too. What about some of the walking maps and the precinct maps and then actually going out and getting your teams knocking on doors? When, yeah. When would you start? Would you start that now? A year? Not now. I would start that um, the day after the primary, next May. Go out. Matter of fact, what I would do is if you have people out there um, next May during the primary, is as the voters are coming out of the poll in your precincts, hand them a card. Let them know that you're right, that regardless of what happened in that, that primary election, you're a candidate now. And these are what your issues are. You start hitting them then. What about, uh, what's the, what are the best days for walking and canvassing? I mean, is it weeknights? Is it Saturdays? Is it any day? It's, it, it varies. It, ver it varies greatly. Um, weekends can be iffy, but that's when you've got the most time, because people, the people are either home or they're not, you know, they're, a lot of people are home on the weekends, but then again, a lot of people go out and do things on the weekends. So, you know, just try to hit as much as you can. Um, you know, if you can't get everything done on the weekend, you miss a few houses, go back maybe on a weeknight and hit those houses. And probably before it gets dark. And before it gets dark. Once it's dark, it's... Yeah, no one wants to open their door when it's dark, especially in Marion County. <laughs>
Yes. And I have one more thing to add. Um, some of the books I read about going door to door also mentioned that it's a good idea to go as a couple, a man and a woman. Uh, because sometimes that looks a little less threatening or intimidating. So, like, you're going to knock on a single woman's door, for instance. Maybe if you're a single guy, that she's not going to answer. But right. maybe she'll answer if she sees a couple there instead. Yeah, that, so would, that would be I'm trying to use that when I go. Yeah, that, that's a very good idea. But like I said, if you do what you can do, what you've got. Um, I've just got a couple things to add to what Ed said because I think out of all the people in the room, I probably have pretty much the most experience in running campaigns and not running for office, but running campaigns. And when I'm a campaign manager of a statewide campaign, as I've been two or three times, or even a local campaigns or running for my office myself, uh, staff is one of the most important things you could acquire as early as possible. Ed put the three key staff people out there that you have to have to run a legitimate campaign. You have to have a campaign manager, you have to have a treasurer legally, and you need a volunteer coordinator. There are adjunct people, if you're running a statewide campaign, you need media coordinators, you need uh, fundraising coordinators, schedulers, things like that. But those three key people that Ed put up there are the most important. Because when I run a campaign, and Michael, if he had no left, will admit I'm right on this, the campaign candidate, after the declaration of candidacy and the nomination is responsible, from my perspective, for doing two things. Talking to voters and asking for money. The candidate will not be writing on the blog 34 hours a day. The candidate will not be designing campaign materials, designing the website, or doing all those other things that, unless you're running a sole person campaign for a relatively small office, that you don't have time to do. If you want to take a serious shot at getting elected and having a major impact on political discussion that you're involved with in whatever district you're in, you can't be doing all that stuff. You have to concentrate on what your message is, on presenting that message to voters, and on raising money. I had a candidate for governor in 2000 who was genetically incapable of asking people for money and it handicapped our campaign. Two years later, I had a candidate for secretary of state in Indiana and she single-handedly raised $43,000. And I think, to my knowledge, that's probably the most money we spent on a, a political libertarian political campaign in Indiana, right, Mark? Close. Anybody else close. think of Dylan Spenmore or something? Okay. Anyway, uh, and with that money, we were able to do a lot of things that we would not have been able to do. We were able to run hundreds, if not thousands, of radio spots the last 10 days of the campaign. We were able to publish a newspaper called The Hoosier Libertarian, that we published a quarter million copies of and distributed them around the state. But those are not something, uh, Rebecca Sinkerus religiously called people, asked them for money, and talked to voters. She didn't get involved in that any of the other stuff. So uh, if you're going to make a serious run for office, I would ask you to identify at the very least a campaign manager, a treasurer, which Mark and Todd will speak to earlier, to make sure that you don't end up before the Indiana Election Commission. Uh, having to talk your way out of fines, as some people have done in the past, or your county election board, uh, and, and a volunteer coordinator. And when people volunteer, make sure, as Ed said, that you give them something to do, because they're interested enough in you and in your message to come forward, it's abjectly important for you to give them something to do. Not on a daily basis, but as often as possible. And sometimes people have watched the candidate with Robert Redford too many times, and they think that it's paid staff, paid staff, paid staff. Dan Burton has paid staff. Evan Bayh is going to have paid staff. But most of your House candidates don't have paid staff. They may 
the county office may coordinate a lot of stuff. Your county chairs will help you coordinate stuff. But if you're running for a state house race and somebody asks you, hey, I'll be your campaign manager, but it's going to cost you this, this, and this. Well, you just heard the most of any libertarians ever raised is 40000 bucks In Indiana. For, for one year's salary. So you've got to use every bit. There are so many. The thing that I love about the Libertarian Party, especially in Indiana, is that people run for office and help our candidates because they're passionate about the cause. And if you can't find somebody who's passionate about helping you for free and volunteering their time, supporting you, then maybe you don't want that person helping you. So when people ask, and, and I promise you, they will ask you if they can be paid staff, just politely say, I'd love to, but I've got to make sure that that money goes to getting out more flyers, getting out more materials. The other thing that came up during Ed's presentation that I wanted to expand upon just a little bit was the idea of voter registration lists and walking lists and mailing lists. Uh, strategically, several years ago, during one of the city county council races, our candidate raised more money than both the Republican and Democratic candidates put together, and still only ended up with about 70% of the vote because his campaign staff made what I thought was a strategic mistake in targeting Republican voters in a heavily Republican district rather than disaffected or people who hadn't voted at all voters. And uh, I think that he would have gotten a lot more votes had he done what I advised him to. They ignored my advice, and you know, that's just the way it goes. You can't win them all. But uh, those, those lists are very important. Ed kind of fleshed it up there quickly, but when you get the, the walking list or the voter registration list, it ought to give you information about what elections that person voted in over the past five or six election cycles. I think I forget how far back they go. It will tell you if they voted in a primary and which primary they pulled a ballot for, Republican or Democrat. If they didn't vote in a primary and voted in the general election consistently over the past several cycles, that might be one of your target voters. Because that's a person who is not self-identified as a Republican or Democrat and is perhaps more open to a third party or Libertarian Party candidate coming in there. And I think that if you did a perfectly legitimate target with targeting Republicans, where the Republicans forgot to nominate somebody in this district or didn't want to nominate somebody because they didn't want to go up and in, against an incumbent uh, Democrat. And it helped them get within 100 votes of the Democrat, of, of what the, of the, uh, within 50 of what the Republican, Republican candidate, candidate typically uh, Absolutely. So, so when you get those lists, be smart. The state party does get the voter registration list from the Secretary of State every year or every other year. Uh, we do have limited access to manipulating that data and getting information out to people. I do want to point out, though, notwithstanding what Chris said earlier, he is the employee of the State Libertarian Party Central Committee. My employee. He is not the employee of every candidate that's going to be running for election in 2010, because if he tried to do that, we would get nothing done. If Chris is going to give support on a daily basis to any of our candidates, my decision is going to be the Secretary of State candidate, because that's the most important to us. You are libertarians. Remember, personal responsibility as well as personal freedom. Do your own research, get your own staff, answer your own questions, if at all possible. That being said, though, I do this for a living. I do this on a day-in, day-out. I'm a full-time employee. My business is a Libertarian Party business. I probably know the answer, so don't be afraid to call me or email me preferably because that helps me keep stuff. But don't pitch to me if you don't get an answer like immediately, okay? <laughs>
Don't complain. It's hard to really do Any um, other questions about or about this segment about managing the middle part of the campaign? Keep a diary too. Yes, Eric. I have a um, regarding the campaign staff, will this be anybody or are there any restrictions? Me, anybody. The only restriction is in Indiana, if somebody is a county chair, they cannot be a campaign director. Right, Mark? Uh, I believe so. Okay. That's that, well, at least that's why Cheryl Kersey yeah. claims you could do something several years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Any? Yeah, can you elaborate on the, the voter list? You, you mentioned uh, that you you get them as part of the party, but you can't. We buy them from the Secretary of State every year. And I'm not a tech person, so somebody who knows bring me yeah, up to date on It is on part of our agreement that we don't use that for candidates. We okay. cannot provide that to candidates. We can use that to build our state party and, and, and our county parties. but. When it comes to the, the, the statewide list, I get it in a giant document file that I can't even open. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go through companies that can parse that out. Those yeah. private companies he talked about, Aristotle, labels and lists, uh, emerges. And they do a great job of, pro of providing those blocking lists and doing the things and, and saving you some time. I'd call Aristotle, get a hold of me, I'll hook you up with Aristotle, emerges, or labels and lists and price that out with them and raise that money. Because it's part of our agreement with those companies that we cannot provide it to candidates because that's how they make their, their living. So, so I've got to say that. One more thing, when you're walking and knocking on doors, keep a diary. Every time you go walking, write down, I went to this address, this team went to this address, write down what you said to them. Just helps you keep track. If you find a friendly face in June, you want to make sure you go back in August and October. So it's just, it's a long summer. When you're running for office, you've got kids, you've got a job, and so you want to make sure you keep yourself motivated. So I uh, want to thank you guys. I want to thank Ed. Ed